What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Obviously, right removed from the draft, so we got a lot to talk about. I was going to start. We get out of the way. Jeff, some comments from uh, your favorite quarterback this week. Do you want to talk about it and then just connect it to the situation we have with the Panthers and, you know, uh, quote-unquote veteran quarterback in the quarterback room with a rookie? Yeah, you know, so I finally heard the Ryan Tannehill uh, soundbite, you know, uh, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. And uh, at first I kind of went, y'all just leave alone. Um, but but the more I've thought about it and the more I've seen some of the, uh, the experts talk about it, um, it just shows a little bit of insecurity, I think. It just shows a little bit of, um, uh, I, you know, we all go back and you know, it, the season ended with three interceptions, um, you know, and, and not one person loses a game. Um, so I, I think he's salty. I, I think he's down in the dumps. I don't think he has a lot of confidence. They just got rid of AJ. You know, they, they draft Malik. They didn't talk to him about it, which they don't need. You know, it's not they don't need his permission to do all the, the moves they made. So it just wasn't a good look. And um, I'm a little concerned about him and I'm a little concerned about the team moving forward in terms of him being the leader. Um, you could have just worded it different. You could have said, I'm not here to mentor him, uh, but I am here to you know help him grow. I mean, it's a different mentor to me is I'm going to put all in to help somebody take my spot. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And to me. Yeah. When I think about it, you know, the only quarterback in the NFL who should be mentoring anybody would probably be Tom Brady at 42, knowing he might have a year left, and he goes that route. Although I'm going to say this. For me, a, a perfect mentor for a Malik Willis or even Matt Corral or, you know, who I'm going with is Cam. To me, and I actually saw a video of Cam talking about Will Greer. And Cam said, I'm here to help him however I need to to help him grow, to help him be, you know, to help lead this team if I'm not there. Um, and kudos to him. So you could have just said it different. And I, I, as much as I love Ryan Tannehill and own his jersey and stuff, as a Titans fan, I, I, I'm a little concerned about him and his confidence. And, you know, you got this stud ready to, you know, you know, hey, you're one snap away. So we'll see how it all pans out. But it just wasn't a good look for him. Yeah. And, and granted, it's just lumped everything from the playoff game on top of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and not and just were, to just mention, like, you know, what he had, the comments he had made literally the day before about how much, you know, that game wrecked him mentally. Right. I mean, that was not a good one-two punch for him for the week for the media. And now the, and now the gist is, you know, is if he's the starting quarterback, am I going to be at the point of every time he throws the ball, I'm going, uh-oh. Yeah. You know, it's like, give it to Derrick Henry 40 times. Um so, but back to the Panthers real quick, though. You know, I mean, like, there, there's no mentor there. I mean, you want Sam Darnold mentoring, <laughs> you know, Corral, whatever. So um, having that veteran presence um, with somebody who understands it is a big deal. And I think at the end of the day, it's you put your hands in on the huddle and you go one, two, three Titans. It's not one, two, three Tannehill. Yeah. It's not one, two, three Darnold. It's not one, two, three, you know, seems, do you know what I'm getting at? So, yeah. It, it's a bad look. It, it no, is. And as much as I'm a Titans fan, I, I don't know if I want him leading the team this year. And I know that that sounds horrible, but um, I, 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 I don't know. That's some big words. Hey, I was going to say, I, now switch that over to our scenario, talking about the comments, you know, Sam had made on, you know, busting with the boys and then with Corral's, you know, t comments too about being a competitor and a leader. I'm not, I'm not quite. I'm not quite 
sure what Samuel said on busting busting with the boys. I don't really remember it as well. Talking to remember he was talking about like I feel like I've done enough to show that I am a you know a leader for a team and like I have the talent to lead an, an organization. You know that's a great thought to have and I, and we love self confidence. You know and I don't want anybody to feel lesser about themselves than they than, than what people think they should. But the reality is Sam Darnold hasn't done anything to prove that he should still even be in this league. I mean we've gotten a bunch of maybes and potentially Sam Darnold could be something, but we haven't seen it materialize on the field. At, at the end of the day. Having Matt Corral come in, bro, it's it's, it's a clear sign that the Panthers don't feel that Sam Darnold got it. I got I got that can lead a team to the promised land. Just even it being even a division title. Um, and Matt Corral's confidence in the film he's put out on throughout throughout his years in college, I feel more confident about just going out there with Matt Corral starting week one than rolling rolling with Sam Darnold at any point in time throughout the season next year. Shantice, let me ask you this real quick because you were getting ready to say something. So was I correct in my Tannehill assessment? <laughs> yeah, you know, all that I was gonna say about the Tannehill thing is, is that the NFL, the NFL fraternity is like this. You you got you, you just gotta pay it forward, you know. Um when when you're the guy coming up, you know, you understand that there's a veteran there that just takes a lesser role in order to help you succeed and, and, and in order to help you move forward because these careers don't last forever. So especially for a tiny organization that kind of took you from the slums of being a a refugee quarterback from Miami, brought you in, helped you help, help revitalize your career, I think it's only right to pay it forward and say, look, yeah, my time here is coming to a close at some point. We know that. But I'll at least pay for it and make sure the next guy is at least being prepared the correct way. Not that you're right. hoping they got to take your job, but just as this is simply being a good teammate at the end of the day. Sometimes I agree with you there, dude. You know, and and, and let me just we'll wrap this up on the t- Tannehill talk. And I appreciate okay, we got to come on now. Come on, guys. I know. I appreciate <laughs> you talking about. It. You know, the, the, you're you're right. And and the gist is from Leek Willis. He you know he thought he'd be a first round. He ended up being third round. And now you're going to a team where it's like, okay, I'm joining this fraternity, but does this guy really want me around? Is it fuel to the, you know, is it just adding fuel to the fire? Let me, um, yeah. let me say this. So we'll, we'll see. I said, let me say this. I like, there is nothing wrong with competition. Competition no. gets success. And that is a staple of every position room and position group. He just shouldn't have vocalized it. Like the take he had necessarily wasn't the worst. And it's not one that hasn't been had by a bunch of quarterbacks in the NFL, but like, it's almost something you would think Cam Newton would say and thought we would have said, you know, when he was on the Patriots, it sounded like uh, something that, right, that it right. was just, it was out of character, I think, for, for Tannehill to, to say that because I thought he was, you know, at least a bit more, not that Cam isn't sensible, but, you know, Cam likes to just say what he wants to say. And luckily the, you know, the clip of him talking about Greer resurfaced, but because right. that was, you know, he easily could have said that around that time because it was the Absolutely. same sort of, it was the same sort of situation. Cam was going downhill. We drafted this guy who we thought was going to be the next guy in the third round or we didn't, but you know, everyone else and their mothers were like, Oh, here he comes. Will Greer is the, you know, he's the new wave and look how that panned out. But right. You know, focusing back in on the Panthers draft class. Cause I mean, for, and we started, to, it's funny. We started talking about Willis because that's how we started. A lot of those mock drafts was talking about Willis. And I don't know about y'all, but I was sitting there the cards all started falling. The chips and the pieces were in place. And I'm like, we're going to, we're going to mess this up. We it's on us and we're going to mess it up. It, it's not anyone else's fault. And I was, I really thought we were going to take Willis. I, I sitting there when it happened, I was, I was shocked. You know, me being asleep. I was so happy. I was woken up. 
awoken by Jack with a phone call saying we took Icky. I had no idea what was going to happen, but I wasn't going to stress myself out, bro. I'm glad that I have great teammates around me that did that for me. So, again, yeah, no, no I had to, I had to get it out because I was sitting at work and I, I lost my mind and because it just shows finally, I mean, putting investment in the position you haven't done so in 12 to 15 years, putting investment. And now it absolutely, and we, we talked about that having him, and the line we have now, the potential line we have now with Darnold or whoever was leaps and bounds better than Willis and the current line we had or anyone else and the current line we had. So to just, and not even that, the crazy part too, and this is something, I don't know if it's a Tepper thing or if it's just kind of been happenstance, but you look at it the last two years, the first picks were from South Carolina and North Carolina, literally encapsulating that, you know, regardless of the Rock Hill stuff that this organization is for, the two Carolinas. So funny little tidbit about Icky that I want to talk about. So Icky Aquanu, obviously, you know, they talked about all the time because it was such a cool thing growing up in Charlotte and in the area, playing for Providence day at high school, playing for NC state now coming home before he got to those points, before he, he became a talent, you know, worthy of a sixth pick in the draft. He was playing for the Mara Colts blue pop Warner football team in Matthews, North Carolina scrimmaging against your very own Jack and Jeff Taylor, who is Jeff was the head coach of the white team. And I believe it or not was a nose tackle for the white team. So before <laughs> he got to go up against anybody in the ACC and Clemson, he was running drills against me in those scrimmages. And we literally, my friend texted me who was on his team with him, pulled up the roster picture from that year. And you see his scrawny butt up about three rows and then Icky down in the front row. Number 70 at like, I had to imagine it would have been like 10, 12 years old. And I think that is just the most ridiculous, the most ridiculous thing to think about that someone we were playing Pop Warner football with at the Mara Athletic Complex is now a Carolina Panther. And, and, and let's just put the record out there that we did play them four times. Um, in the actual season, and we were 4-0 against them. So let's just be. <laughs> they had, they, had, <laughs> they had all the talent. They had all the they talent all, there. It's all in the coaching, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, don't, let Mr., don't let Mr. England hey, hear you. Okay, let that. me just back up here real quick, Shantese. Jack was the smallest guy on the team probably. <laughs> but, oh, by no, far. <laughs> Playing play, play nose tackle, but he was a mean son of a bitch. He would be in the backfield quicker than anybody. He would, he would make the centers. The center would snap the ball, and Jack would already be two steps in the backfield. So, I was going to ask, does this qualify Jack's athletic career as an elite athlete now? I think yeah, it has absolutely. to. Absolutely. I think it has to. <laughs> I think it has to. Look, they, were, they would have to double hey, team me. We we actually named a play. Oh, my God. On offense called the Jack Taylor play, which was a tight end reverse. <laughs> the, only, the only touchdown I scored in, okay. in, in my entire I, football a, career. It is still on YouTube. It is still on YouTube. Oh. It's still on YouTube. It's called Jack Taylor Mara Touchdown or whatever. Shanties, I'll send you the link. Oh, we drop. Oh yeah, we dropped that on Instagram. We, we gonna drop that. <laughs> that's your next. That's your next money in the bank. Oh, best like, so. Against against the the oh the oh who are they? Porter Ridge. Porter Ridge Ravens. Porter Ridge Ravens. Yep. And then I busted my knee up literally like a quarter later, and I I had to carry me off the field for that game. Yep. But just talking. Anyway, oh my God. Yeah, I said refocusing now. <laughs> talking about the draft class. I mean. We were worried about what the war room was going to be like and who was going to be making those final calls when the decisions came through. And I got to say, you know, Fitterer needs to have his name in the ring of honor right now because this he has continued to get 
better and better as he's had more of a hand in the pot, at least from what we've seen. I mean, from the three picks right off the jump, we talked about the areas that we needed and to not even have a day two pick and, and, and a second round pick and to be able to go in the way we did and fix the positions and, and focus on the positions that you needed to, it, it was ridiculous. It was a work of art. And the one that excites, I want to know what excites y'all the most. Cause the one that excites me the most, obviously past the obvious is Brandon Smith. I think that, oh, that is going to be, I've watched the tape on this guy and it was kind of like the, it was kind of like the Keekly pick, you know, there was a lot of stuff on him and you had a lot of, you know, the physicals and the residuals on him, but you just knew he was a dog. And while he wasn't that top, you know, round talent, the way it fell, you knew that he was going to come in and have an influence. And for having, you know, the quarterback room that we have up in the air, I think getting to play along Shaq and, and Wilson and whoever goes through it. I mean, him and, and Amare too are my two most interesting and most I'm most excited about. You know, crazy enough, like I said, everything we did in the draft, I was ecstatic about because we added athletic freaks to the room. Whether, they, whether they're the most polished guys or not, we added great athletes to the room. Brandon Smith seems to be one of those linebackers that I feel like we haven't had since the Luke Keekly as far as just being a pure athlete. But uh, for me, I'm going to go Kane Mays, cra- cra- uh, crazy enough, adding a former five-star lineman who is a nasty guy in the interior at, at left guard. I think it, they can compete for one of those guard positions and can just ultimately just make us better. He'll be one of those guys that I feel that if he pans out, it's going to make us good for a long time, especially having him and Icky on the left on the left side of the offensive line could 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 be something special for us could could help us build an offensive line we haven't seen since about 2003 and let you go real quick i think also another thing is that and and almost funny enough that fitterer did and obviously they have the the cohesion in the warm but it seems like every single person who has a, a say in something other than maybe you know no actually everyone got something they would have wanted. You see that the the fast defensive guys that Phil Snow and Matt Rule would want. You Matt Rule was satisfied with his Baylor favoritism. He got that there at the end. You have a quarterback that we brought in an offensive coordinator for or vice versa in in Matt Corral and then you have the lineman that the fans were clamoring for. He almost, you know, was able to make sure every person got something that they wanted in one way or another and I think that's really cool. I, you know, I, kudos to him. I think it was a wonderful draft. And I think the fact is, as Panther fans, Panther fans have gone from down low back up to some high with a little bit of confidence, if that makes sense. And I, kudos to him for sticking with Icky because I swear that I, I was just waiting for him to say Kenny Pickett oh. um, with that first pick. Um, and when they did Icky, you know, I think that that just showed, hey, we'll figure this out, but we're going to build our foundation um, and we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna go from there. So kudos to that. For me, I, I'm gonna go with Matt Corral. I think to 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 get yourself back uh, you know into that day two. Um, and it was a little interesting when the Titans you know traded for 86, you know, and I'm like, why are they trading? And then they get Malik Willis, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna see what the Panthers do. And then to turn around, you know, what four picks later I think or five picks later, and get Matt Corral. Um, that's what excited me the most because I think the cool part was. They've done a good job in the offseason of getting some weapons and solidifying some things. The first couple of picks, they solidify some things. And then, bam, go get your quarterback. And to be honest with you, I, I, listening to people talk and listening to some of the, you know, experts and stuff on TV and stuff, if that's what you call them, you know, they think he could be one of the best out of that draft, out of that out of that class. So, uh, you know, there's excitement there and stuff like that. And I think, you know, it just um, 
kudos to him. I think they did a wonderful job. And, you know, um, the it's Smith is right. Is that what we're talking Brandon Smith, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. You know, kudos to him. I mean, we're talking a linebacker that can get the job done. I mean, I, I thought, hey, listen, I thought it was a wonderful – they, they, they gave Panther fans um, some excitement and some confidence to go, hey, this team is, is trending in the right direction. When a, when a month ago we just sat there and said the whole thing is sinking to the bottom like the Titanic. So, and you're right in that regard. But in the past, you know, few months at least this off season has been for who it has been good for has been the Panthers. You know, these Panthers fan accounts like myself, like our account, and another one we're bringing on right now, Panthers Insider. Hey man, how you doing? What's good. How you so, boys doing? We're doing good. So man, talk a little bit first about yourself. Introduce yourself and you know why you're a Panthers fan. So, I mean, are you from North Carolina or do you live? Uh, no, never been. <laughs> really? Um, you know, when I was younger, when I was younger, um, you know, I would watch football on Sundays with the fam, and Steve Smith would uh, come on TV, and I was instantly, instantly hooked on Steve Smith. And then, you know, 2011, I think I was about, I was turning nine years old around draft time, and Cam wow. came. And that sealed the deal. Cam wow. came and is over. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. I know you good people because when you, when you initially said Steve Smith, I know you good people, but I just want you to know. That you aged me, yeah. And Jack that that hurt. <laughs> that, I haven't had that happen before. Uh, 20, wow, 20, 2011. I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> yeah, oh, my bad. I, <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, so my name is Brandon, uh, Brandon without a D. Um, I started this page going into my freshman year of high school, and I'm a freshman in college right now, so it's been about four years. Um, I just well, I started off making sports edits. And then uh, once I got a little older and started to understand football a lot more and the business side of it, mm-hmm. uh, I really fell in love with it. I kind of like uh, combined like the editing stuff with my love for football and uh, the account became what it is. That's awesome, man. So talk a little bit about the draft. What, you know, kind of excited you throughout the draft? What was kind of your the highlight for you? Um. Well, first of all, all the talk. To- all the tackles falling to six was crazy. And that uh, completely shifted probably our plans because I know that we had um, – I've seen a couple people say that we had a few good offers to go up to six. But when, you know, like Icky fell, it's like you got to pull the trigger. So that that was uh, interesting. And then, um, you know, all the QBs slipping and us uh, not having any day two picks, waiting on something to happen was uh, pretty fun, nerve-wracking, but it was fun. No, yeah, absolutely. Um so with the way the team looks right now, kind of what holes do you think we still have to fill for for a team? Um, I'm actually very satisfied with the roster right now. Like uh, going into the season, I knew I knew we were going to work on the O line. We did that uh, in free agency, and then with Icky, and um, I I really think it's about just putting in a quarterback and having them play to a level that doesn't, you know, like lose us games. Like, I feel like we don't need somebody. Like, the roster's good enough to where we don't need somebody to take us to the next level. We just need somebody that can come in, uh, just make the right decisions and be careful with the ball. And um, on defense, I think, you know, linebacker's still kind of a question because, you know, the whole Damian Wilson thing. And uh, I don't really know if they're going to put Luvu at linebacker or if Snow wants to use him more as an edge rusher. But, like, I was seeing some people break down the depth chart, and like right now, Brandon Smith would probably be starting at outside linebacker. So that's kind of it's kind of a question. I said, John did you have something? I was about to say. I mean, if Brand, if if the worst case scenario, Brandon Smith is a starter, bro, I'm 
I'm per perfectly, perfectly fine with that. So for you, what was your favorite pick of the draft thus throughout throughout the entire? I mean, we had we had a lot of picks that some people you know may not be sure about just because of they were athletic freaks but weren't necessarily putting the production up on the field. But for you, what was your favorite pick? Um. You know, as as athletes, I think the Barno and Smith picks were great. You know, they're great athletes, uh, but they're really just boomer bust guys. You know, if they figure it out, their athleticism is going to take them to the next level. And if they don't, I mean, let them walk. But um, I'm a huge fan of the Corral pick. I, he was like my QB one B. You know, I had him and Malik really high, and I was a I was a person. You know, all off season, I've been like QB at six. Like we need to pull the trigger on a QB. Like start the like new brand, whatever. Uh, I felt like we needed to get a franchise guy. And the fact that Corral fell that low and we didn't have to give up that much is incredible. Because I really think with his leadership, his decision-making, his quick release, all those factors, I think he could really, truly be the guy. And to get him at 94 is incredible value. So do you believe that with uh, with Corral and, and Darnold in the, in the QB room with whoever else, um, so you're comfortable with one of those two starting, or if a Jimmy G fell or if Baker was out there again, do we just leave those alone, stay away from them, and just go, hey, this is what we're rolling with? You know, um, I was actually thinking about that a lot in the past few days, like with uh, Jimmy and Baker still being available. You know, I don't want – you know, I feel like if we brought Baker in, there's a chance that he becomes like a long-term thing, like, um, like we keep him for more than a year or two, which I wouldn't really like. Um, that's – I'm still – you know, people just say it's because I'm a Cam fan, whatever, it's biased, but Cam in a one-year deal is perfect to me. You know, um, you know, I'm all for Sam playing and whatever, but if we can find any way to trade him and just bring in Cam on a one-year deal, I think that would be ideal. But right now, I know if Sam's starting, I feel like the roster's good enough to sneak a few wins, but like, I would like Corral to take over at some point this year. Yeah, you bring up a good point there with Cam, and I haven't been the biggest Cam fan, um, and that's just who I, I just haven't been or whatever. But you know, when you think about somebody um, who could take you know somebody under their wing, um, you know, because yeah. I'm sure Sam and Matt are two different quarterbacks in terms of Definitely. style sets and athleticism and stuff like that. Cam would kind of be the perfect. Should we use the word mentor? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair. in this situation you can use that word. Um, you know, for for. Um, for that, you know, I, I just see that relationship working. So I agree with you there. I think that if, you know, do whatever with Sam, and I know you got money invested and stuff like that, but get Cam in there for that year. I mean, Sam can ride the bench and, and be third be third string and let and Matt learn from Cam. I think it would be great for his game, and I think it would be great for the Panthers organization. And it's funny because I think in the, the flip of the two of them, like I think Corral and, and Tannehill have somewhat similar playing styles and kind of the roughneck – you know, blue collar quarterback trying to push the ball downfield, whether it's through his legs or his arm. And Cam obviously can is still that style of play too. But as far as some of the you know, off the field stuff and just other things, I think he could have also been that for Willis. Right now, I and I, that was what would worry me about bringing Baker in is because I think Corral has. It's almost like there's a pendulum there. He has the ability. He can go like the Josh Allen route. And, you know, try to be, you know, the rocket for an arm who can still, you know, move the ball downfield with his legs, be that blue collar roughneck kind of guy, or he can fall the Baker way in terms of, I know, you know, his, his hot headedness and the way he's kind of been outspoken. That could, if you bring someone like Baker and who's had those issues off the field, I would, I would be kind of worried that it could go, you know, a, a different way. And then Jimmy, who's just kind of like the neutral doesn't really have, yeah. a, you know, it doesn't have really a, it doesn't go either way. So, but do you think that for Corral, I mean, because for me, 
not taking Willis, I think speaks volumes as to that. They would not want to bring him in. Cause if you yeah. are, you know, if you're a strategist, you would think that that would be the per like you already have ties Perfect. to cam. And if there's anyone who could be like, again, another mentor to Willis, it would have been cam. And so, so for me, that makes it to me that I think kind of put the final, you know, nail in the coffin for bringing cam back here. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like Cam has said that he would take a backup job, but I think if he felt that he's good enough to still play, I don't think he'd want to uh, be like that mentor role. I mean, like he's the type of person to maybe do it, but, you know, he's just repeatedly said that he can still play. He can still play. So I don't know if he'd really want, you know, especially to play for Rule again, who, I mean, pulled him that easily to put that, Sam yeah. back. So it's like, like knowing that he's like the mentor or just like the veteran, I feel like he would also still be worried that, oh, if I, I throw a pick, you know, here comes Corral. Like he might have that type of feeling, especially if Sam's still there and Cam comes back. Then it's definitely. So that, so that's my other, my kind of other question. Cause we talk about it a few times and the only stipulation we really had with getting a rookie quarterback in was not only, you know, kind of whether, what it would do for rules job, but say, you know, now having Corral specifically with McAdoo, I think pairs fairly well. And I think that's the system they wanted to run through. But are you worried if, say, Rule goes? Because I'm assuming if Rule goes, Corral will go. Or, I mean, um, McAdoo will go. And maybe even if Rule yeah. doesn't go and it doesn't work out this year to above, you know, a 500 record, McAdoo might go as well. Are you worried about, you know, Corral's development if he has to face different head coaches and offensive coordinators like Cam did in the early parts of his career? Um, you know, Cam was just lucky to have the same head coach. You know, thankfully, uh, Rivera always believed in him and you know, still does. But, um, yeah, I would be uh, definitely worried, you know, like guys like Sam and Baker who have had arm talent and just never really figured it out. I mean, you can't – it sounds like an excuse, but you can give them, like, some slack for having, you know, four different coordinators four years in a row, that type of thing. You know, it definitely wouldn't uh, help Corral at all. But I would like to um, – I'd like to at least keep him and McAdoo for about two years at least. You know, I don't want him to have that start of his career like that. But it is kind of sad that he comes in when um, Rule is in the hot seat. So, I mean, if we don't win, Rule is gone, and then his first head coach is already out. So, and that's an know. issue that that's an issue that I've had too. I mean, we talked about it with like Mariota on the Titans, or you see it with Winston on the Bucks. It's an interesting scenario when you bring in this franchise quarterback when you don't have your franchise established or together. And like a buddy texted me about Corral and what I thought about it, and I was like, I want to be excited because I know the guy has, you know, talent and he has stuff there, but it was kind of like Greer too, where I just don't know where the franchise is heading. And so it's hard to be, you know, to look to the future when you're like, okay, like this could be our franchise guy, but like where, what is our franchise doing? And that's, and it's interesting because like on paper, and this was also a problem and it's annoying to do so I know, but there's so many similarities to it there was the same problem with the Titans was for the longest time. The roster they had on paper was a very talented one. And I think with ours as well, we talked about it. I mean, you know, even with special teams, you know, trying to fill a hole, bringing in Andre Roberts, we'll talk about that a little later. That was a a bargain move to make like our roster on paper looks really good right now. Other than, you know, there's obviously some inexperience in places. And so, you know, some young talent in places, but in contrast to how old it was back in 2015, I just don't know with the coaching staff that we have, if they can develop corral. And that's what I want to hear. You know, I'm interested to see what your take is on it. If they can truly develop corral under the current coaching staff. 
Um, you know, I do have McAdoo's, uh, he's kind of a joke around, you know, people like messing with McAdoo, but, you know, I, I am confident with him working with Corral, especially with uh, his experience in quarterbacks and his experience, like, with an RPO, you know, quick hitter offense. You know, I think that him and Corral are a great combo, and I'm sure, I mean, Fitter has even said that uh, McAdoo played a big role in getting Corral, so I think they'll work well together, but, um, yeah, like you mentioned, it is a big question mark, you know, whether Rule ends up going, you know, halfway through the season, then it's kind of, you know, a curveball at, you know, all the assistant coaches and even Corral, and um, that's just the biggest question. You know, it would have been perfect, you know, we get a fresh start head coach and QB instead of, you know, new QB and head coaches still, like, yeah, eh. But, you know, I'm just hoping even if, you know, if we win, you know, seven to seven-ish games, say we're just below 500, I wouldn't even mind keeping rule another year just to see like him, McAdoo, Corral, like give them more than, you know, just half a season together. But, you know, if they, if they decide to let both go, you know, that would really stink. If just rule goes, McAdoo stays, you know, that might be, that might be fine for Corral. But Well, the one thing I've said about, the one thing I've said about McAdoo is the fact that for the first time in a long time, at least with this staff, you finally have somebody with NFL experience. I mean, you had Joe Brady, Phil Snow, Matt Rule, never been in the NFL, never had any experience, and all of a sudden you bring in, you know, McAdoo, who, you know, was with the Giants, who, who you know, has had the coaching. Um, and something I think is kind of cool, too, um, with where we're going and what I saw in the draft and everything is this realm of McAdoo, I think, likes old-style football. We're going to line up. We're going to run the football. We're going to take our quarterback. We're going to use him to the best of our ability, and we're going to get the job done. Um I, I kind of see us going back to that style of football with him. And, 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 and the question is, can Matt Corral get there in terms of playing that style of football? And I think he can. So I just think the cool part with McAdoo is, um, and I agree with you though, like I'd hate to see, and I, we've talked about this. I, and I'll be just blunt. I mean, the NFC sucks. I mean, let's just be real. Yeah. The NFC, I mean, seven wins might get you in the play. Who knows? I mean, that, that could really, you know, eight or nine wins could definitely get you in. So um, I agree with you there. I, I would hate to see, um, I think they win some ball games, and you know if Matt, the one thing the draft did, and the, and the offseason has done so far, and especially the draft, it's instilled in me a little more confidence that this staff does know what they're doing. Yeah, hey, I, I just want to jump in here. So for you, you know, I know you said you had Matt Corral high on your high on your board as far as quarterbacks come, go, as far as coming out this year. What is it in particular that you saw that made you believe like, hey, this guy should be a day one guy or a guy that should be a day one starter? And, and let me piggyback on that real quick because I agree with this point because for Corral, you talk about Kiffin and his and his system, the guys he would have been throwing to there in his career. He had, you know, and while they didn't make the biggest splash at Ole Miss, you know, he had a good amount around him. And so while you, while we're asking that, you know, what do you think also made you think that it could translate his, you know, his abilities into the NFL, into our organization? Uh, well, first of all, I love Corral's leadership. And I think – having a franchise QB is so much more than just, you know, their arm talent, their decision-making, whatever. He competed with, you know, uh, an, well, he had the the star receivers the one year, but last year, I mean, that old Miss team is not too great. And they had a lot of drops in some games. Like I was watching a film there, I had like six, seven drops. But he made that old Miss team competitive, and he did exactly what Lane, Lane Kiffin wanted him to do to a high level. Like, you watch just solely his RPO offense. It's incredible. Always makes the right decision super precision accurate on the slant off the RPOs, the intermediate throw. You know, the deep ball was, could use some work, but 
Like seeing him work through the RPO offense is incredible. And he's just so, so like sniper accurate within, you know, within the hash marks and within like 15, 20 yards. But him being that good of a leader playing the SEC is really what clicked for me. And, you know, a lot of people don't mention this, but Corral was in the QB one talks before he got hurt. And that kind of just, it kind of fizzled away. And then it was like Pickett, Willis, and then, you know, Ritter shot up the boards. But a lot of people forgot about Corral, but he's a very, very intriguing prospect coming out. And, you know, a lot of these like QB gurus, like uh, Chris Sims, guys like that, they have them high. And I have to agree with them. I saw that you got some recognition from a couple players earlier today with some of the posts you dropped. Uh, yeah, yeah, yesterday for sure. Talk a little bit about Robbie Anderson. What are your thoughts on him as a player and his his being vocal in the media? And what what do you, what number do you think he wants to change to? Robbie's he's quite a character. Um, he's definitely changed this off season. And um, like the middle of last season, he kind of started changing. You know, uh, last year with Teddy, he reached a career high, and then this year he reached a low, which. You know, I mean, it, it messes with you mentally. And I'm not saying he's, you know, he's not in the right mindset or anything. But, I mean, he's been he's been, uh, he's been been playing around on social media. And, like, I think the stuff about, like, uh, like Baker, like, I don't think you should, like, you can't really do that, bro. Because, you know, especially when there's a legit chance we bring him in, like, that's just, you start in toxicity before it even happens. But, um, you know, the whole, like, changing his, the spelling of his name and, his jersey number, well, all that stuff. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just having fun with it. I mean, and you can't really hate on that. Um, as a player, the only thing I really have against Robbie, you know, I mean, the drops were kind of an issue last year, especially late in the season. But I mean, that's all in his head. You know, we're struggling that badly. He's not getting the targets he wants. You know, when he did get them, I mean, it was, he's kind of, he was already out of it. And um, yeah, what I was saying. Oh yeah, I just don't really his his route tree. I don't really. Like, I wish they could implement him a little bit more. Like, get him across the middle some. You know, he's just a slant and go. That was kind of all they – especially with Joe Brady. You know, he likes the vertical offense. So, he had Robbie on so many deep routes. You know, and when we don't have a line or a quarterback that can, you know, consistently get into him, it's, it's not going to work. And I think that's part of uh, his decline last year was, you know, we're trying to force a vertical offense. We have a vertical receiver, and we can't – you know, we can't get three seconds in the pocket. But – you know, I like Robbie. I think when he's out there, he does play with heart. You know, he's always uh, into the game, talking his stuff. You know, like uh, he got the catch against the Bucks. You know, he's celebrating, like talking shit down 20, whatever. And he's in the game, but, you know, the off-the-field stuff this offseason has been – he's – he changed. But So then, man, talk a little bit about, you know, the last thing we'll talk about too. Uh you know, it's been kind of, it was kind of up in the air. We didn't really know what we we're going to use him for, but what's your thought process long-term right now on Christian McCaffrey? Because it's something that's been kind of, we've been kind of not paying attention to for a little while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christian, you know, like, like Robbie, he was at an all-time high uh, the last two years, you know, he was in all the commercials, all the media, everybody's a fan of Christian McCaffrey. He's the white running back changing the game. <laughs> but yeah, he's kind of been, he's been quiet. You know, people don't really talk about Christian anymore, but I hope that puts a chip on his shoulder and uh, I hope he comes back strong, but I would like to see us, you know, I was surprised we let Mike Davis go. Cause I thought we were going to try the, the one, two thing with him and Davis, you know, uh, get some, like some quick hitters in with Christian, a pass, whether it's a run pass, whatever. And then, you know, get Foreman in or Davis at the time, let him get a big run. But, you know, I hope we use Foreman like that, honestly, just let, to listen. Change the pace up. Yeah. Foreman is Foreman's a beast. Um, you know, for the times he filled in with Derrick Henry, um, you almost had Titans fans going, hey, you know, 
This this guy's pretty yeah. stout. So I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to work out, and if they go back to that old school football that I talked about, you know, you can let CMC maybe not have to take as many shots up the middle, protect him a little yeah. more, let Foreman come in and run run between the tackles. Um, yeah, you're you're you're, you're, you're it'll, it'll be curious to see. Mike Davis, yeah, let him go, but I think. Foreman's going Foreman's gonna to ball out. He's going mean, to play some ball. I think of it like, you know, and Shantese and I talked about it. It was one play, uh, a clip shown uh, from Mike Rimmer on uh, on Twitter. It was a, one of the more, more beautiful plays ran last year by our offense was the power play with Cam Newton there against the Bucks when we had, you know, Tremble pull in and we had and, and Moten turning around too and leading that power run where Cam got a good chunk of 30, 40 yards. And we've seen Corral can, can make that kind of movement if he's got the blockers for it. And with having Tremble, you put, you know, Foreman in front of him or you put Foreman going downhill, having him run downhill. I would be terrified to have that, to have Icky and to have Tremble and Foreman coming at you full speed. And as long as, you know, they use it the right way, because that's what, you know, I agree with you. I was thinking, and it was kind of a situation we've had in the last two years. And it's like, it's like when you date someone and then they break up with you and then they find their, you know, their fiance right after you just, you push them on the pedestal because it happened with Davis that year. And then the next year it happened with Hassan Reddick. We let him, you know, ball out with us, but we didn't have the money for him to pay him to keep him here. And so hopefully they do that same stuff with with Foreman and or even you know throwing Chuba in the mix. I'm okay with the running back yeah. by committee this year. I, I think Chuba really shined last year and was more one of the more underrated players of our season last year because he did a lot with a line that was not forgiving to running backs or quarterbacks. And you know if McCaffrey, as long as he doesn't look 45 when he comes onto the field, because that one picture from whatever they were doing the training, he I don't know if it was the angle or the lighting, they did him so dirty on that picture. He looked like he was 55 in that picture. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, and I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line with Chuba, but like we haven't seen Christian with the line at all. So I mean, that, he can come in and average five yards a carry, 5.5. Like who knows what he'll do with. You know, a strong left side. It was really aggravating last year because it was like we couldn't get any pass blocking or any like run blocking for when Cam or PJ would try to or Sam would try to take off. And for some reason, whenever Chuba got on the field, I don't know if they were changing the runs they were calling or if he just, I mean, because we knew, you know, the biggest thing about him coming out of college was all he could do was run in between the tackles. There was nothing else for him, but he would pop a few outside plays. It was, and they weren't, you know, barn burners by any means, but enough, it was, you know, more than just getting killed at, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, but man, before we let you go, we found out we found out had two left feet too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but man, before we let you go, you got any questions for us? Um, I mean, you guys covered you know everything that's kind of going on right now, all the important stuff. But um, let me think. Uh, What are you guys' expectations? You know, Sam Darnold's a starter right now. How many games are we winning? Realistically, (laughs) you know, tough schedule, but NFC ain't too. Ain't looking too hot. What do you guys think? For me, it's going to come down to like, and it ha- it's kind of how we always operate, and it kind of dictates our season. I feel like we have those out of conference games, you know, out of division games where we can make a splash and pull a few upsets. But our in division play has been just <laughs> atrocious the last few years. Even you know, twenty. I mean, all the way to twenty seventeen. Cam, we still lost to the Falcons. One of those, we still split. We haven't, you know, swept the Falcons in years. And so for me, it's going to depend upon our, our performance in the division, especially on how it goes. I mean, if I want to be, you know, realistic about it, I could, if it's Sam the whole year, I mean, 
even if McCaffrey's healthy the whole year and we run some things a certain way, just with so many different things coming in and out, I could see us going probably about six wins with the way everything's changing, trying to implement, you know, it depends upon how quickly they can implement what they want to do and the changes. Cause I mean, I'm imagining the defense might not be as rotational as it was last year with, you know, a lot of our linebackers and ends now mesh, you know, staying more in their zones instead of, the way they would operate with Hassan Reddick, you know, he could have come off the edge or Chin coming down. I think Chin might have a more of a role in the linebacker spot, but I would say realistically, I think about six wins. I could see us going anywhere from the five to to nine win, you know, range. Best case, best case, I would say, t- you know, ten wins. But that would be like yeah. if all the like CMC doesn't get hurt, Sam goes out, either finds out how to be a quarterback or goes out early, or we figure out something there. I mean, that's like, that's if all the chips fall the way they should. And I'll let Chanti's continue. Yeah, I got to sit around five to seven wins. Like you, it's within the division, I think there's about three wins you can get. I think you can split the division straight up. But after that, you look at some of, some of the out of division games Arizona, even though we have dominated Arizona the last couple of years, San Francisco, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, <laughs> LA Rams. It, it doesn't seem very likely that we're going to get many of those. Out of out of division games, so I got I sit around. If I had a bet, I'd probably say five games. Now, what I will add to Shantice, like he was saying, <clears throat> you know, three months ago, those team, a lot of those teams, <clears throat> Browns, Steelers, you know, Cardinals, you kind of or 49ers, like those were like, okay, these are going to be tough games. That's a couple playoff teams right there off the bat. Now, unfortunately, they're also all in transition like we are. You think about the Steelers, about the Browns, about the 49ers. I mean, we don't even know what the 49ers are going to look like, you know, in in a month from now. You know, Steelers, they could – I could see it being so aggravating and Kenny Pickett having a Mac Jones-like rise to success because of who he's got at head coach. But seriously, I could could see it for – if it was going to happen to a a player this year, it would be him. And just like, oh, of course, great. Thanks for that. You know, Bengals are going to try to be, you know, they could either have a, a Super Bowl slump or they could be trying to prove what, you know, they already knew. The Rams, I mean, that one's obviously going to be, uh, that one's going to be a headache inducing. But I could, like, so that's why, like, you know, it is fortunate, like, the strength of schedule, I think, went down a little bit because of how up in the air some of these were, like, especially the Debo thing that came out of nowhere. But I'll, I'll let Jeff uh, finish off with what with his thoughts. Oh, I just looked, but I mean, you may not win an away game. I mean, you've got to go to – We may not want a home, not want a home game either. I don't know what you're talking I about. I didn't know the schedule was that tough. I'm sitting here going eight or nine, ten wins. But, I mean, away you got to go to Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Giants. I'm like, yeah. good Lord. Giants, okay, maybe. But then even at home, I'm like, <laughs> you know, you're playing the Cardinals. You're playing the 49ers. You got the Browns, which we don't even know if Deshaun Watson is going to be playing. Um, But I'm like – and then you got the Broncos with – which became, Wilson, that I, was the one that flipped a little bit. That one, yeah, that one flipped. <laughs> all of those games flipped a lot. So, I, 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 here's the problem with the Panthers, and we've all been there. You guys know what I'm talking about. You'll be competitive. It'll come down to that last minute. They'll play to I their strength, you, to the I, to the strength of the opponent. I can't tell you the last you know two or three years I've watched Panther games, and it's come down to the last two minutes. Oh, it's kind of. I don't even turn on it. How many? I don't even, how many how many one score games did y'all did we lose last year? Or in the last two years? Well, how many one last, score games? Last year was a last, bit different. Yeah, last year we didn't have any of those. But Okay, but the year before. Year. But the year before. Yeah, we lost smooth like nine. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it got the like point. The- I wasn't even turning on the TV to the two minute warning. I wasn't even checking. I was like, no, nah, it's like basketball. None of it matters to the last two minutes for us. But man, oh, thank man. you for coming on yeah, and talking with us. Oh, appreciate y'all having me for sure. You know, it's always fun. Always. Absolutely. Great to talk to another account. Any everyone, if you're not already, go follow Panthers Insider on Instagram. Any other accounts, Twitter or, or Facebook? Uh, you know, I have a Cam Newton page called C One N Legacy. There we go. Have you, have you, uh, is that, boy, I, I didn't yeah. know that was you. There are so yeah, many. I don't know who runs which, honestly, at this point. Now everyone's making corral. Have you did you make a corral one too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Hey, too. Yeah, of you course. Know, like people always ask me, like, oh, how are you gonna keep all that together? When you're passionate, like it's it's not like you know, with a, a school job and uh, with school a job and this, you know, it's when you're passionate about it, it's not it's not as hard as people. Where do you go to school, by the way? Uh, I live in Louisiana. I go to Nickel State University. Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Wow. I really wish you could see my face right now. I was gonna, so you said you started because I was going to say, and it was funny. All these accounts really started around that same time. It was you know 2013, 2014. But you said freshman high school. Oh my word! Yeah, that okay. Was, uh, Out of 2016. My first season doing the account was oh. <laughs> uh, my first season doing the account was 2017, 18, and wow. the Colorado Saints. I was there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was my first time doing it. Yeah. So that I mean, is- that's about. It's about 14. I'm 19 now. Good Lord. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. It's been a blast. I appreciate y'all big time. Y'all have a good one. Hey, you too. Do we think that, do we think Golden Corral can be the golden boy? Can he, can he be the guy, the next guy for the team? Oh man. Um, You know, I have my concerns. And like you said, like you, you stated earlier with the Lane Kiffin system. I told, I said it on Twitter. I said, Lane Kiffin's, system is a very quarterback friendly system it's one that helped matt jones get drafted in the top 15 It's one that helped that even helped Jalen hurts to an extent become a starting quarterback in this league and to a tongue of our lord as well none of those guys to me have reached that tipping point to make me believe that they they, they are you know perennial starters Pro Bowl level, Pro Bowl level, uh, Pro Bowl level uh, players. Okay, uh, Matt Corral, I like the things he does, especially in the RPO. Fits with Matt, with, with Ben McAdoo, but there are some things just from a physical perspective that still holds me back from just fully embracing him being the starter. Because mm-hmm. the, the running ability, that it won't be nearly as much, nearly as much of a factor. It'll be, a, it'll be more so scrambling, more so than just strictly desire runs. Um, some, some of the footwork. Not necessarily the biggest deal. He'll be he should be able to fix some of those things, but just the deep deep ball power and deep ball accuracy. Even his accuracy is I think is above average, especially for this class. But with this class being what it was, is this good enough to be a consistent starter in this league? And that's I mean and there's still some question marks, but I do feel good about going in with Corral instead of Sam Darnold. But there's still more a little bit left to be desired. So this is a question posed to both of you because we all have, you know, uh, you know, experience and a familiarity with the SEC. And I feel like it's a double-edged sword, especially for quarterbacks, because for on the one hand, it can elevate quarterback talent based off of the success they had in that division. Tua hurts guys like that on the and you know, even, you know, even going to Johnny Manziel. On the flip side, though, I feel like sometimes it can also be a hindrance two quarterbacks with talent if they were not able to garner success in the division, like we're talking about Ole Miss or even Dak with Mississippi State, you know, because it's hard to watch it. 
and you see you you know the legacies of those teams mississippi state old miss arkansas those you know middle of the pack sec football teams you find it to, like what do you think of the effect that it has on quarterbacks and their draft stock and just the expectations of them in the league the instant the instantaneous fan thing is to look at who they played and how well they played against some of those great teams and you look at alabama and corral this past year didn't have a great game against alabama so then you correlate that to, well, Alabama's got a bunch of NFL defenders. He didn't play well against those NFL defenders. Will he translate to the league? Where the, NFL, where the SEC is so deep and, and, and so and so tough to play in because there's NFL talent every week. This is the best conference in college football. You see the most drive picks in the last, what, 15 years? We've had, has had the most drive picks. It's tough to play week to week in this league. I think people don't understand how tough it is for a quarterback to come in and throw for 300 yards consistently in the SEC against any defense. So I think it's, I think it's, it's everybody's understanding of the level of play that's, that, that's in that conference and not trying to conflate it with every week being a, a, such, a such a damning performance against a player if, if he doesn't play well. Right. Um, Jeff, did, did you hear the question? Yeah, about playing in the SEC and stuff mm-hmm. and where that kind of – How that you affects know, think- your – I, you know, I, I think automatically people put higher expectations on you um, because that's where you played and stuff. Um, and, and there's a little more pressure to succeed. You get more visibility and stuff like that. Um, I think the interesting part is with this draft class, especially, does Matt Corral have any pressure on him? I don't think so. No, because the just is nobody is really all the analysts and experts really said this was a pretty weak quarterback class. You know what I'm saying? Although when it started happening and people were drafting, everybody then praised them like they were the greatest things since sliced bread. But I think the interesting part is, um, you know, Malik Willis, he went from Auburn to Liberty. Um, you know, and so you're playing at Liberty. I mean, it's not like your SEC in Alabama, South Carolina, and all that, or an interesting part was. But when you go back and think about the Titans' history, Steve McNair went to Alcorn State. Um, so I, I think the pressure is – is there they've played big time football but the quarterback position has changed so much in the last you know even 10 you know 10 years 15 years so i i think it makes them a little more there's a little more pressure that they they're that they're used to if that makes sense um and i think the expectations are higher um but at the end of the day it's just can you ball out I agree with you. It's like I said, it could just be kind of polarizing to see when you know, like that's where he landed there, and that was the, you know that was where he had spent his time, and you saw the you know effects of that of the league there. So then moving on to now we talk about a little bit more about the offensive line, and I want to know what y'all think about it. What do you think their mindset is in terms of especially left guard? Do you think because of having Icky on the left, do they? stick with what might be safer or might be a bit more the veteran in, you know, in, in, in elf line or Irving, or do you think they are willing to take that risk, put Christensen in the, in the position they originally drafted him for, even though that gives you a very young left side of the field with quarterbacks that could be switching in and out. Ooh, okay. So I think you have to go ahead and roll with the guys you drafted. I think, I, I think drafting Icky was a clear sign that Cam Irving wasn't going to work. Um, mm-hmm. You wasted the majority of Christmas' rookie season, so we didn't get a 
a clear indication of what he'll translate to be in this league, whether it be guard or tackle. So you got to go ahead and just roll with the fact that these guys are the, are the, are the younger and better athletes. Uh, uh, experience didn't bode well for Cam Irving and Pat Eflon last year. It won't change this year either. So go ahead, go ahead and roll with the young guys. See what you have and and push. I mean, like I said, you, you just live with the consequences of, of of playing guys that are younger and athletic and with with, least, with lesser experience. Hundred percent agree. But you you put Christensen and and uh, Icky on that on that on that left side and let them ball out. That's how you build a team. That's how you if you're going to build that offensive line, you put your young guys in and you start building it and let them get the confidence. And you know you hey listen, people are going to the defenses are going to concentrate. Defensive line is going to concentrate on Nicky more than they are Christensen. So I think that gives them the opportunity to to let him get his confidence and you you, you roll with. That's how you build the team and you build that offense is build that offensive line. Only way you do it is get those young guys in there, like Chanti said, and give them the time to play. Because, I mean, I'm trying to taper my expectations, but for how long I've been, we've been clamoring for a change in offensive line, what my ceiling for this line could be is a complete 180 from what we've had in years past. I mean, it did exactly what we had talked about, you know, all this time, building up your offensive line, getting veteran, you know, fighters on that right side and in the middle, and then using dedicated draft picks to get the guys for your franchise. And it makes the Christensen pick all the more smarter now, retrospectively looking to see that, okay, you now knew that you had this guy at left guard and you were trying to, you know, you were trying to do this positionless offensive line for whatever asinine reason. And now you have guys were in the depth because, like you talked about it, Shantice, with um, oh god, whatever his name, whatever his name is, with the draft pick we just got, I can't for the life of me remember it. Um, but the guy who you know is a K Mays. Thank you for that. You got Cade who can is they talked about it can play any position on that line. To build up that depth, and that was the same thing you wanted with Irving and Elfline, is that they had the ability to move through even Te- Tecklenburg and Daly, who I still think Daly has potential. I think he just needs to stay out of the spotlight, stay out of the offensive, you know, the starting lineup, and I think he can be redeemable. But now you've given yourself not only a powerful and potentially, you know, re- real team-making starting lineup, but then you also have. Whether even if it's not consistently healthy, you have dependable guys for your for your second string in putting Irving, Elfline, Tecklenburg, Daly, and 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 Cade there in the back for the backup for one of them to be able to fill in the pieces. But I mean, running with Corbett, you know, Bozeman, Moten, and Christensen, and 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 Icky, I mean, that that's that is ridiculous to me. And I the only hope is that we don't put too much pressure on Icky. And same with JC. I don't want to put too much pressure on either of those guys because I hope that, you know, because I want them to be able to succeed. And I hope that, you know, it's not about, you know, expecting the world from them, you know, because even Trey and Taylor weren't all pro their first year or Daryl Williams for that matter. You know, it took a year or so, but you could see the, you could see the ability and the potential in all of them. And I, like I said, even with Dennis Daly, I think he has the ability to get back to that point because we have, he showed those signs, but was just kind of, thrown into the fire i just it it to me i'm this has been the most confident i've ever been in an offensive line and and i like the new offensive line coach as well from what i've heard about him and what i've heard from him in interviews i like the mindset he's got as well and i'm hopeful and i'm hoping that they can gel together and create what we want there on the offensive line you know for me it's just i have i do have a oddly enough a higher 
set a higher set of expectations for this group because it's more NFL experience with Steve Wilkes back in the back, back there as a secondary coach, being a guy that's been a head coach and a defensive coordinator, Ben McIndoo being the OC. Here's the thing: if we do have relative success, meaning like eight to nine wins, let's say let's say eight, just on the lesser end. What's the chance that we are able to keep any of these guys, or they, or they don't all go on to better to, to greener pastures and Wilson go back to being a, de- a defensive coordinator and McAdoo going back to being a head coach? I, you know, I, I think uh, I, yeah, that's a good point, Chantice. But I think that if 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 they can go and uh, make you know get eight or nine wins, and I, I I hope Tepper would like figure out a way to go. Okay, we've got this. We've got some continuity. We got to figure this out continuity wise so i i think you know um he does our best to keep him on that's my issue with it now is that like you've built finally you've built a team for the most part there are still obviously some some holes but like as far i mean dj mccaffrey robbie all your offensive weapons are young they are young guys foreman hasn't even been in the league that long defensively jc dante you know uh, jeremy chin brian burns like all these guys have – it's not like 2015 where you needed to be successful now because if you didn't, all these guys were going to leave. You now have a incredibly young roster that you can take time to develop, but that's not to say that this coaching staff is the right ones to develop them or that changing coaching staffs halfway through, like that kind of pushes you back another couple years And doing so. I mean, I can't think of many organizations that were able to, you know, garner that much success because even – for you know, Mike Vrabel, it still took. I mean, a good two years, I think, before they made the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, I can't entirely remember if they were able to make it in their first year or not. I know they came close. It was year two. That's what I saw. So, I mean, you know, bringing in another another coaching staff might be the optimal thing, but it's it's going to be hard to gauge. Okay, where is the you know? Is it because these guys are unexperienced and un you know, and and, and not molded yet, or is it because this isn't the right coaching staff? And a, a better coaching staff will have more time to develop them. I don't want to now it's almost you're you're it's again, it's kind of topsy turvy and it's going to come down to what direction do you want to go? Because it was such an unprecedented and weird time to get rid of a, co- uh, to get to, to clean house when like you were kind of on the end of at least the tenure for some of your star players, but you had also already added star players into the mold in Dante and in Christian McCaffrey and and DJ, like you had already started adding your next pieces of your next generation. Whereas when Ryan, you know, when Ron came in, you know, Smitty was about the only one left. You know, Smitty and TD were about the only ones left that had any sort of inkling from what had happened, or maybe even John Beeson. And then, so you only had to wait out a couple guys. Yeah. Everyone else was still there. You know, everyone else was coming in new. Greg Olson, you know, even Jonathan Stewart had just started out his time there. Cam Newton. And guys on defense, you know, they were in Keekly, like they were all starting with Rivera. So it's, it's, it's dependent upon how you think you get, you, you know, I don't, it, there's got to be some sort of five year plan though. And unfortunately, while Fitter can make the chess pieces with the players, I don't know if he's the one making that five year plan. And it's definitely not coming from Tepper. So I don't know, you know, rule I'm assuming is thinking in the immediate, but the best thing for this organization, I would imagine, is to think in the long term. And so I don't know who's who's sporting that mindset, and that's what concerns me. Yeah, that's the that's, that's the that's the ultimate issue with Carolina. We just don't know 
we still have we still don't have a direction. We 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 have more of us. We have more so of a direction today than we had prior to the draft, but we still don't know exactly where this is headed. Um, and and and, and like and like Pat Insider said, honestly, this team really wanted to ensure that they won at least seven games. You go sign Cam Newton because even for better or for worse, with a roster that was even lesser than what we have now in New England, he was still able to muster up seven wins. And so if you at least want to keep yourself at a base level and to ensure that you, you probably have a chance, going to get a guy like that probably wouldn't hurt you as far as keeping your job this year and giving you giving you a chance going into next year. I would agree with that. Anything else before we go, Jeff? I'm good, man. I think, you know, the, the interesting part, I'll leave it at this. This is my closing thought. I think they do have direction now. I, I, I feel a little more confident this team has direction and – the question is, I feel a little bit better about Matt Rule and Federer. And Ty- I feel a little more confident that I was impressed with what they've done in the offseason and in the draft. Now let's see how well they coach it during the season. But I, to me, I see this old-style football coming back. They've got the offensive line. they got a power runner and foreman. they got CMC. Figure out your quarterback spot, and you got a, you got a solid defense. You know, ball out and see what happens. I, 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 I got some confidence in them. Of course, the schedule comes out next week or – uh, week and a half, we'll we'll kind of go through that. But overall, I listen. Kudos to him. The hell of a draft. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, like Jeff said, I mean, I, I hope Matt Rule starts to put it together as a head coach and start. It all starts to mentally click for him there. Uh, talent wise, for what it's worth, he's been great talent wise as far as being able to accumulate talent and knowing where the talent is. Now it's all about putting it together as a as a strategist and put and and being able to help us win close games because yep. ultimately that's where where we've lacked for the last two years. I agree, and it's going to just come down to what you know they can do on the off season and you know what or the off season and the regular season what transpires you know in that point. But until then, we're gonna have to keep waiting and keep pounding.